Yes, yes, yes. Guys and girls, Be More Podcast. You are in for an absolute treat today. I'm joined by somebody who I had the pleasure of meeting in Miami almost a year ago now. Frank, went about a year ago. Um, so guys, yeah. without further ado, Frank Parisi. How you doing, mate? I'm doing good. I'm blessed. I'm alive. I'm grateful. I'm just, I'm here, bro. And there's a real reason behind you saying that. So a lot of my listeners won't know the story. So what's happened since we met last year? Uh, so last year when I met you, it was in March. I had started to get a cough um, that persisted. It started in January. I thought it was allergies. I was traveling around the country. I was in Cali, Miami, New York um, the first few months of the year. And the cough kept persisting. It just kept persisting every single, like wherever I went. Few of the doctors in Texas said it was allergies, put me on allergy medication. I'm like, it's not allergies, man. I've been all over this damn country. Uh, finally went to a specialist because I had some gastro stuff going on just to make sure it, it wasn't that. Everything came back good with that. I went to a pulmonologist because the cough kept persisting. Um, he said he sent me for scans and tests and they, they came back with a diagnosis of organizing pneumonia. Um, and that, and that was after I saw you in Miami. I had come back to Texas because the cough kept getting worse. It kept getting worse, and it wasn't breaking up. It was very dry. Uh, I used to I was a healthy man. I've been working out since I'm 14 years old. I, I've been disciplined with lifting every day, cardiovascular, eating well. Uh, I'm a person in long-term recovery. Even in my addiction, I still, I still was able to get to the gym every day. Um, so they start treating me for this organizing pneumonia, which is a rare form of a pneumonia. It's like the rarest form of a pneumonia. And it's, they said it's gonna be about six months of steroid treatments or antibiotics. So the doctor put me on the meds. Uh, I went more down from the medication. I let him know he put me on more meds. Uh, then I started uh, in the beginning of May, I started to cough up this orange stuff. So I let them know they were like, just keep taking the medication. May 8th, that night, uh, I coughed up an entire gator, like a half a Gatorade bottle of blood. So I said, man, there's something wrong here. You know, I, and in the in the meantime, I was telling Jack, I was telling, I was telling Eric Spoffer, I'm like, bro, I'm dying. Like I told my wife and everybody was like, you're not dying. You know what I mean? Because I was the guy, I mean, I got a six pack, I'm benching 225, like, and this is like two weeks prior to going to the hospital. Like I got videos of me in the gym. Um, so I go to the hospital and, and the pulmonologist said what he saw, like I was literally dying, brother. Like I couldn't eat. I was throwing up everything. I was coughing up blood and, uh, I get to the hospital and they, they admit me into the hospital. So they treat me for sepsis. Uh, it was the worst thing they could have done when they treated me for the sepsis. I just went worse. I got worse. They then, uh, put a presser, it's a type of medication into my vein. The nurse messed up and put the wrong pick. It was supposed to be an A-line and the whole thing, like look at my arm, brother. It infiltrated my arm and it created an entire blister around my whole arm. I had to get a whole skin graft surgery. So anyway, that, that was after. While I'm at the hospital, I'm in massive pain. All of a sudden a doctor walks into the room, thank God, and he goes, this guy's dying. He's got 9% heart function. Now I'm in Austin, Texas. And they say, yo, we got it. My wife went to be with my son. She thought I was just going to be there for the night. I have no family out here in, in Texas. All my family's in New York. So 
I'm like, what? I'm about to die? What are you talking about? They're like, yeah, we, we can't keep you here. You have to get rushed to Temple, Texas, which is in the middle of nowhere. It's a town of 40,000 people, brother. Um, but it's the second best heart failure uh, uh, program in the state of Texas, which is the total God thing. Um, so it's about an hour and a half north of Austin towards Dallas. It's in between Dallas and, and Austin. So I get rushed up there, bro. And now you got to be thinking, like, what's going through in my mind, bro? Like, here I am, like, business is crushing it. My life is good. My relationship with my wife is good. I'm healthy. I got a beautiful son. My Everything's going good in life. Company's going up. Everything is beautiful. And I'm like, I'm about to die. Like, that's heavy shit. And then I get to the damn hospital and, and they're like, yo, you got 9% heart function and your kidneys and liver are failing. They bring my wife into the hospital. And bro, I was so sick, Jack, that I was like, yo, if it wasn't for my son, I would have give up, bro. You know what I mean? And my wife comes in with a picture of my son and she's pleading with me to live. The doctors are telling her, we don't know if he's going to make it. We may have to put him on the most advanced form of life support, which is called the ECMO machine, which basically filtrates your blood for you when your heart fails. And, you know, I think like, I mean, it was just, just like that, bro, your life changes. You know what I'm saying? Just like in a blink of an eye, literally my life completely changed. And I went into the damn surgery into the in with the doctors and they, they were telling my wife that we have to put him on a ventilator and like her only recollection of ventilators is COVID and like, I'm about to die, you know? And they basically, they were honest. Like the doctors with me were extremely honest. They were, they said, you know, we don't know if you're going to make it, you know? And the last thing that my, I'm talking there, I'm sitting there with my wife and I'm, I'm like, you know, we have investment problems. I'm talking with her in the 20 minutes I have with her about like if I do pass away, what to do with finances. This is crazy shit, bro. Crazy fucking shit. And uh, the last thing that she said that she remembered was they put the ventilator, they taped my eyes and they gave her my ring, you know? Um, so I'm in the hospital now, I, they saved me. I don't need to be on this ECMO machine. The doctor saved my life, okay? In the middle of Temple, Texas, some podunk town, bro, in Texas you know, hick. And uh, they saved my life there, bro. And 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 there's more to this. They they, they put me, they, <laughs> they put a pump in my leg to help my heart to beat. Now I'm in bed for nine days, bro. I come out of this. I'm in bed for nine days because they couldn't put the pump in my neck. If I did put the pump in my neck, I could walk around. So now they finally then, they're like, listen, this pump's not working for you. We're going to have to give you this advanced pump to see if your heart is going to recover. So they put, like right here, I got a scar, bro, right here. You see that? Mm. They put a, 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 how to get like 13 staples in there. That was my first surgery. They put this thing called an impeller pump in your chest. So the pump goes into your chest and makes your heart relax and it pumps for it. Sometimes, like if you have a mitral valve uh, leak, uh, it can cause the heart to, it, it could cause, it, what it does basically, the primary purpose of the, of the pump is to keep the heart calm and let, because the heart's a muscle. When it relaxes, it could come back. 
So I have this thing in me now for like two weeks because they're monitoring and they, they take down the levels of the pump to see if your heart's recovering. Now, here's the thing, bro, because I've been so deep into personal development since I've gotten sober over the past 13 years, my mindset and my faith was on point for this. I feel like everything that I've been through in my life led to me being in this hospital. You know what I mean? It was like it all prepared me for what I was about to face. So they put this pump in and bro, what I'm doing, what I know to do because of the internal assets that I've created with myself, these principles that guide me daily, I knew to get out of myself and start helping the patients on the fucking ward, bro. I knew that that would vibrate me higher. I also started to walk with this fucking impeller because I'm like, yo, I might need, I'm definitely going to need a surgery for the arm. You know what I mean? But I might need a heart transplant. And the only way I'm going to, like, bro, I'm emaciated. Jack, you saw me. I was a 190-pound dude, bodybuilder, jacked. I went down to 150 pounds, bro. I went down to 150. I had to learn to walk again. Once I started to learn to walk again, I was walking on the unit four or five miles a day. So they finally go down, they go down, they bring me in for the final test. I remember Dr. Hassan, he's looking at my chest and I'm looking on, on, the, on the monitor at my chest and he's, he goes, your, your, your heart's dead. And I'm like, oh my God, I need a fucking heart transplant. So like go through that mental state. You know what I mean? I try to tell people this, like feel me when I talk about this shit. Like really feel me. When I talk about this shit, the mental state of you, you now need another heart. What is my life going to look like? Am I going to survive this? You know, the fact that I'm going to be waiting on a fucking person to die. And have them in me so I can have life. Trippy shit, bro. Trippy shit, Jack. And while I was in there, so when I, I didn't mention this, but when I was in there, when when I first went under and they were saving me, bro, I had an out-of-body experience. So I left my body and I went to, and, and this is why I have no fear, Jack. I have no more fear about anything because this is a dream. This is temporary. This is just one piece of what we really experience. I don't know fully what's next, but I know there is something. Because I went to the waiting room or whatever the hell it was. It was all dark. There's no, there was no, uh, uh, form nobody but i knew that my man who got i had helped my boy out uh years back one of my best friends younger brothers who became like a best friend to me he was murdered last year in his home on a home invasion i come from the streets and i'll get into that shit but i'm a different man today and uh they killed him in his house he came down with me like he was with me when i left my body and i heard a voice say we want you up here, but you could come back. I had a vision at that time of my son growing up without me, bro. And I said to myself, I'm coming back. And the voice said, you could go back, but you're going to suffer. You know, and like for me, and I'll get into that story later. It's like everything that I've done, the man that I've developed, uh, the person that I've become was also that my son and his future family generations have a whole new paradigm shift, bro. Because I grew up in the mafia. I grew up in the streets of New York. 
And like my upbringing, I don't want, I, I wanted to change the paradigm shift for future generations. You know, what I found in the hospital, bro, was that my life's really not about me. You know, if you read my post from in the hospital, it was about God again using me as a tool to be able to spread inspiration and hope to others and whatever they're facing in their life through my journey and watching me overcome all the shit I've overcome, it can help them to overcome whatever it is they're facing. So we get back to the hospital now. On June 1st, they go do the debridement for my arm. Now I'm on the transplant list. Now to get a heart transplant, you go through massive testing. They dentists, colonoscopy, blood pressure, psychologists, uh, social workers, they want to know what you do for a living, how much money. I mean, it's a whole they, it's a whole vetting system. Like they don't give out hearts, and they only give hearts to people that are about to die. So that's another whole crazy thing because, like, let's say they would have found out I had heart disease, they might have just managed me with meds, and I might not never get a heart. You know what I mean? So June first, I go in and I get this the Bridman done. Now I'm on the list for the transplant, but my type, they said it could take up to six weeks plan to be here for the summer. So I get the debridement on my arm. It was crazy, bro. The pain, oh, never, never, way worse than when they cut my chest open. I get the debridement. June 2nd, they come in and they tell me, um, we got a heart for you. It's going to be here tomorrow. One day, bro. Wow. And they said it was a young, healthy heart, man. And, uh, so, like, there's so many emotions that go into that. It's, like, gratitude and joy, but then, like, there's, like, the piece of, like, man, there's, like, someone died. You know what I mean? To give me life. And, like, uh, and, and and then on June 3rd, bro, like, they come in 5 in the morning. They fly the heart in. And because uh, as soon as the person dies, they put it, the, the, the docs go out and check it, make sure it's a good heart. And they put it on an air, airplane and shipped it right right to the hospital. They put it on ice and uh, yeah, trippy shit, man. And then, and then uh, I'm going in the hospital, bro. And like in all of this, man, it's like, you know, in, in recovery, we talk about God is everything or he's nothing. You know, a lot of people talk a lot of shit. A lot of people talk a lot of shit just in general, but like I fucking live this shit, bro. Like complete surrender and abandonment of my family, my son, everything I worked for, I give it to God, bro. Like I have to surrender it even today. Like I have, like brother, I go in every month. You see my neck? They did this yesterday. Every month they go in my neck. I sign a waiver saying I could die every month. They gotta go in and take three pieces of my heart out to biopsy it to make sure there's no rejection. You know what I mean? So it's a lot of heavy shit, bro. But you know why? I got the heart. I'm fucking doing good right now. I'm so grateful. Uh. You know, I you know I know. Remember Nick San, Santasano? He was at at our at our uh, mastermind. And I I did when I was in Eric's group. Um, he did uh, 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 one of our calls. He said, and man, I'm so grateful for joining this group because he told me he said, when you go through hardship in your life, what is the gift, and what are you gonna become because of it, bro? And while I was in that fucking hospital, bro, I was talking to Nick. I was in there. I was already in that mindset. It wasn't victim, bro. It was never victim. It's not like life doesn't happen to us. It fucking happens. And it's about how we process and respond 
And if you don't keep your sword sharp, life will fucking hand you your ass. But if you continue to constantly focus on personal development, constant evolution and growth, you know, for me, it's my five pillars I talk about. Like, it's going to be in my book. Like, that's the gift. The gift is every fucking day. I am super grateful for every fucking moment. There are no bad moments, bro. And I soak it in every day. I swear to you. I soak in the moments with my son. I soak in the moments when I'm fucking working. I soak in this moment with you. I, I, I fucking worship it. It's beautiful. We've been given a gift of a body and a mind and health. Do you know how hard it is to become born? And a lot of people just shit on that shit. And I was one of those people to shit on that shit years ago. You know what I mean? I shit all over my this gift of fucking life that I have. When I got sober in 2011, I flipped the whole script and I was just only about growth. That's it. That was my main fucking focus. And I'm the type of dude that's like, I got a circle of dudes that like can call me out on my shit. And I don't got fucking ego. Because that's how we continue to stay sharp on shit. You know, I talk about my five pillars of faith, family, health, hustle, and purpose. My shit's all about embracing abundance. I think when we, for me, when I'm in that, when I'm connected to God and I'm pouring into God, when I'm in my prayer and meditation, I have a fucking relationship with the power. When I'm pouring into my family, and it don't even got to be related because some of us come from dysfunction. It could be your tribe that you fucking walk with that you grow with. For me, it's my family and my tribe. You know what I mean? And then your health. Your health is so important. Taking care of your fucking body, what you put into it, not just your physical. We talk about this shit all the time. It's your diet. It's not just your physical. It's what else am I putting into my mind? What are the conversations I'm having? What's the music I'm listening to? Who are the people in my circle? Am I walking the same walk with them? You know, and then I talk about our, our hustle. Because for me, I love business. I love creating. I'm, I'm writing a book. I'm becoming an author. I want to do, I'm doing a lot of speaking this year. I'm out in the, uh, be speaking at a few conferences, a few masterminds. That's your hustle. Your, and then your purpose. What the fuck is your why? You know what I mean? And when we tap into that shit, we create internal assets, principles we live by that no matter what the fuck happens in life, I'm going to show up just like I fucking did in the hospital, bro. They got me, Jack, a fucking Superman cape in the hospital. And every time I would walk the ward, they throw the Superman music on. Because I was out there in the worst of times spreading fucking hope to that other patient in the room next to me. I was walking the halls. I was buying the nurses dinners and lunches. I was being light. Because even the nurses, you know how fucking hard that job is in the ICU? Taking care of all of us? I mean, my brother... I didn't shower for six weeks. I had to have hot young nurses bite my ass. I had shit all in me, bro. I had wires all in me. I have a picture right after I, I fucking had my heart transplant. I got wires in my stomach. I had giant freaking tubes in my stomach draining me. Wires all in me. My chest cut open. I'm on a ventilator, but I was able to write. And I wrote... I'm in so much pain, but I'm grateful to fucking be alive and feel the pain. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of fucking people, especially nowadays, they don't want to feel pain. They always want to feel happy. That's not fucking reality. When you go through pain and you fucking walk through that shit, 
you you become that much more wiser, stronger. You become a fucking war. It's like whatever, dude. Nothing's stopping me. There's no fear. I'm going to continue to fucking evolve and progress and, and win at this fucking game of life till my last breath, you know? And I believe it's when we have those hard fucking lives, bro. Like I grew up, I don't know if you want to ask me questions, but I grew up in, in, in the early 80s. I was born in 1979 in the Low East Side of Manhattan, a neighborhood called Little Italy, bro. And on my corner, I grew up around the corner from the punk rock uh, CBGB, the punk rock club, the store, you know, the big punk rock club back in the day. On the corner of Bleecker Street, bro, was where crack cocaine hit that block. And there were shootouts every fucking day, bro. My father was involved in organized crime. He would tell, as a kid, I remember being on the block four or five years old. He would tell, you know, the drug addicts, yo, listen, you got to go down the block to do this shit. And I remember on one instance, like, and then a four or five-year-old kid. It's just the environment I grew up in. It's not a fault of my dad. It was, uh, it was a guy, he was shooting dope, you know, in an abandoned car in front of the building. And my father said, yo, go down the street. The guy didn't want to listen. And, you know, out, out came the baseball bats, bro. We used to keep about, you know, five, six baseball bats in the front of the bakery. And if people didn't comply, I'm a four or five-year-old kid watching guys get their heads split open. Besides the neighborhood, you know, so my world was never safe. And I followed suit in that. You know, my father became one of the biggest pot dealers in New York City. He was involved with Bonanno crime family. So I followed suit in that, bro. You know, like I wasn't about to go to college and fucking. I'm sitting up in the in the apartment and we're count. You know, we're we're bringing up 200, 300 pounds of pot and we're counting fucking eighty, a hundred thousand. I'm I'm a kid that's fucking eighteen years old. The last thing I want to do is go to school. You know, so I followed suit with that life. But in that life, it's so chaotic. You know, dad's in and out of jail. There's Christmases where there's fucking absolutely nothing. And then there's Christmases, there's fucking everything, you know. Uh, a chaotic life. I never knew what I was coming home to. So for me, I always uh, gravitated towards the street, you know. And then I followed suit in that, Jack. I followed suit in in that street life. And... Uh, that, that kind of led me uh, into addiction, you know. In my neighborhood, I was looked up to. I, I moved from Little Italy. We still had my family. So I should go back. My family has one of the oldest bakeries in Manhattan. It's called Parisi Bakery. It's been there since 1903. So I grew up in the apartment above the building. And uh, then eventually we moved out. My mom left my dad. She moved to Staten Island to where uh, my grandmother was, and they were separated for a year. Her and my dad got back together, and then I was out in Staten Island, and, and things just took off there as I got older, started running with a crew of, you know, pretty treacherous dudes. And we all started to, you know, do the street thing, man. You know, sell drugs and take care of business, you know, collect money if you have to. It's just living that life. And I uh, got to a point, man, where, like, Again, I was tough with my hands. Everybody knew what my father did. So we were looked up to, if not for the right reasons. You know what I mean? And uh, started selling pills, selling drugs. I did shit with my father. I, I did crime with my dad. And in, in my early 20s, I started getting hooked on the, the, the pills. And that just took me down a deep, deep, dark path, man. Uh, I had gone to rehab when I was like, 
I first went to rehab. I went to about six treatment episodes, but the first time I went to rehab, I might have been like 23 or 24. I went back to that place like twice in upstate New York. And then like in, I think it was like 2005, I had overdosed on methadone and Xanax. So it's a crazy fucking story. Um, I was at my buddy's place. He just opened up this deli in Staten Island. We were partying and drinking and popping pills. And last thing I knew, I was driving and I was on the phone with my girlfriend, who's my wife now. And, I, you know, she felt something was wrong. I passed out. I don't even know what the fuck happens. I wake up. I'm in fucking ICU. So she felt something was wrong that night and went to, I was living at my parents' house at the time. I was like 24 years old. Went to my parents' house and I was in the fucking uh, car, slouched over dead. I overdosed. And she had found me. Had a key to my house, went upstairs, got my dad. My dad threw me in the truck and then got me to the, I lived a block from the hospital. So they put me in the hospital and uh, and then at that point, bro, it was like nothing but shame and guilt and like everybody knew now in the neighborhood that I was fucked up on drugs. And my my ego was completely shattered, bro. And all I could do in that was use more. You know, like addiction, what it does is it'll strip everything externally from you. But then it takes your soul, bro. It just takes your soul and it turns you into something you're not. You know, and, and with all the all the violence I witnessed as a kid and I just became an animal, bro. I became a fucking animal. Uh, I was a treacherous motherfucker. If you called me, we were going to handle business. You know, uh, people used me for things like that. It's not anything I'm proud of, any of the shit that I did in my past. But I lived the street life, bro. You know, I, I didn't give a fuck. I, I could give two shits. I would rob dealers and be like, whatever you want to do. I put a lot of hurting on people. Um, and it was just like years of shit. I finally, in 2006, uh, they had shipped me out um, to Texas. I went to treatment out here. Uh, I was a, in mid, like 27 years old, maybe. Great fucking facility. Definitely helped me planted the seed. Uh, it was high accountability. It was all men working out together. Uh, just growing together, man. It was fucking awesome. Definitely one of the greatest experiences of my life, but I didn't enlarge on it. My father, at the time when I got out, I got hired by the treatment center. At the time, in my, my early 20s, my mid-20s, I was doing personal training. So they hired me to be a personal trainer, and I got to kind of know the ground level of, like, teching and basis of treatment, right? So some shit happened back in New York, my a, a cousin of mine was involved with organized crime. He was a boss. Crazy story. Um, in the San Janeiro feast, bro, is the feast that goes in in Manhattan. And uh, at the time, I was still messed up. This is before I went to Texas. Like right before I went to Texas, it was that year. And it's a big feast in uh, Little Italy every year. It's been going on. If you ever watch The Godfather, it's like that feast that goes on. That's the feast. It's the same feast. So I'm in, I'm with my wife, and at the, at the time I wasn't sober, so I'm with my buddy Brian, his wife, and we're in a bar down the street from another bar down in Little Italy, and we're drinking or whatever. But that night, my cousin gets in a fight with another made man, and they wind up, like, crippling all these guys. Now, thank God I wasn't in that fucking bar, you know, because I would have been with him, and things would have been a lot worse because I'm not a made man. And uh, anyway, he wound up pulling one of the guys in the coma who was another boss. And 
So they were looking to kill him. They were looking to kill my cousin. And he wind up turning states and, and ratting. And uh, so that kind of fucked up a lot of things because my father at the time, that was a lot of protection for him, you know, because he was one of the biggest spot dealers, like I said. So when all that happened, a lot of crazy shit happened. And now I'm out in Texas. I got sober for the first time, but then I get a phone call that all this shit happened. So that fucked me up because it kind of broke belief systems, you know? And it made me really start to think about that because I was brought no matter what. Like, bro, I've been in situations where it's like, I, I might have to go away, but I'm not saying nothing, you know, because that's what I was fucking taught. So it just made me start to question a lot of shit, like about life, about like, I started reading different books, uh, you know, Don Miguel Ruiz, Four Agreements, and just different things, educating my mind and starting to look at things a little bit differently through a different lens. I then get a phone call that my father was, uh, they robbed him. So I went back to New York. Uh, I wasn't on solid footing at that time, so I just went right back to the same fucking craziness and chaos. And I went from living like a recovery life in Texas back into the street life. We're in the bakery. I, we got guns hidden in the fucking walls and shit just in case motherfuckers come in. We're scouting the block. I mean, not normal shit. You know what I mean? I'm used to it, but completely not normal shit. Um, so I was I was ready to go back there and just start like killing people, to be honest with you. Like, you fuck with my father, I'm going to fucking put you in the ground. And it was like four years, bro, being out there back in the fucking family business and fucking just in and out of jail and fucking treatment. It was just, I don't even know how many times I got arrested, Jack. I I, uh, I got arrested on a Friday in a car wreck outside of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, fight with the cop, go in, they bail me out Monday. I, I borrow my aunt's car, I get in a car accident, get arrested again. Like, that's the type of dude that I was. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, uh, it's crazy because the second time I got that, that weekend when I got in the second accident, and bro, this is just one story. The second accident, my cousin, that was the thing. My cousins were all detectives, sergeants. I had my family that was the fucking in the streets in the mob, the Italian mafia, and then my wife was a lawyer. So for a wild man on drugs, that is not a good combo because I'm always getting out of shit. Like I'd be like when when I got when I got in the second car wreck, the cops brought me home. So my wife comes in the house and she's like, "Why the fuck did you bring him here? Like, bring him back to jail. I don't want him here." You know. But it was just crazy shit like that. And then like right before, I want to say right before I got sober, a few things happened. Um, I. Uh, uh, I first, the first thing that happened was my uncle died. So my uncle was a staple in the neighborhood and literally he would make all the bread, all the sandwiches for all the people in Parisi Bakery. And uh, so I went to his, uh, his, his, his uh, memorial at Old St. Patrick's Cathedral in literally, and there was like 1500 people there, bro. And everybody talking about like the man that he was. And I thought to myself at that time, like if I would have died, like who the fuck would even show up? Who would show up and then like, what good are they gonna say about me? You know what I mean? I was not good human. I was doing all bad. A little bit after that, uh, me and my father, my father gets into a thing with a guy, some fucking guy driving a cement truck or whatever. And so he gets into a beef and then 
I wind up meeting him down there. I break the guy's eye socket. My father starts hitting him with a baseball bat while he's on the floor after I beat him up. Anyway, long story short, we both get arrested. Um, but another God thing, bro, like when, when I was in the lineup, they put a sheet over me because I was so much bigger than everyone else at the time. And the guy never picked me out of the fucking lineup, bro. Never picked me out of the lineup. It was like another God thing. Um, there's been times where, you know, in the end where I would be getting arrested and I didn't even have fucking money to fucking pay for a lawyer no more. So my wife, when I married her, she never changed her name because I was still fucking out of my mind, but she was an attorney in Manhattan. So she would defend me in court because she had a different last name. So a lot of crazy fucking insane shit. You know, I spent my, uh, my, my, the day before my wedding in rehab, like that's how bad I was. You know what I mean? Like I was a disaster and I was fucking treacherous, bro. I had no problem punching anyone in the face and you would have baseball bat or whatever other fucking crazy shit that I had to do to, to handle whatever business I felt like I had to handle at the time. So we fast forward now, and it's like, all right, it's July 31st, it's 2011, and fucking, I owe money in the street, bro. You know what I mean? I owe money in the street, and I don't got money to pay this dude. She comes to my fucking house. My wife comes out and pays my fucking debt, and this is humiliating shit, but I don't give a fuck. It's my life, right? She pays my fucking debt with a check. It's like 400 bucks, bro. I'm 31 years old. I'm 50,000 in the hole. I'm just coming out of jail. I'm on opiates. I get into a fight with the kid. I drag him all around. I throw him a bean. That day, bro, I took self-accountability. Whatever the fuck it was, I was like, yo, I'm done. I look myself in the eyes. It's like, brother, you put yourself here? It don't matter how the fuck you got here. Who gives a fuck? You're here. You're a grown man. Maybe shit happened in the past. That was victim shit. Cool. Who gives a fuck? My mentality is like right now, who gives a fuck how we got in the ditch? That ain't going to help me get out of it. So it's like, I'm in a fucking ditch. All I got to focus on is getting out the ditch. And that's what I did, bro. I picked up the phone. I called my man. I said, yo, bro, I was in treatment with this kid back in 2006. He was my bunk mate. And I was like, yo, bro, I got to get the fuck out of here. I'll go work for $10 an hour. I don't give a fuck. You, could you help me find work out there in treatment? And he goes, yo, I'm actually opening my own treatment center. Why don't you hop on an airplane? The next week, I got home. I called my wife. I told my wife, I said, you ready to move back to Texas? I have this opportunity. She said, yeah, I will. Bro, we had $8,000. We had no money. I was about to go to Texas. This is in 2012. And go make $36,000 a year. My wife was licensed in Texas as a lawyer, but she didn't have work. So we literally picked up, left New York drove out to Texas into an apartment with $8,000 to our name and I'm making 36 G's a year. And everything worked, bro, because my main focus at that time, Jack, was continuous personal development. You know what I'm saying? In AA and in recovery, we worked the 12 steps. It's a great fuck. It's a great tool, bro, for personal development. I just continue to take that shit and run with it. You know, I constantly want to learn from people that are better than me. Uh, I want to, I want, I want to learn everything, and that's what I did. I had an opportunity to go down and live with these people who are kind of like where we at now. I mean, I'm not probably not there yet, but we're getting there. I'm getting there. They lived in a nice ten million dollar house, beautiful. They owned the treatment center. They let me live in their house. I've never been around this shit before. 
and they weren't even in the fucking house. They were gone for a week. So they let me live in the house with the maid. They had a maid. And I had like a wing of their house. And I started to study everything in their house. The books, the fucking pictures. When they got back, I started to like, what time do you go to sleep? When do you wake up? What do you eat? What do you read? Like, how do you, what is, how did you become, how the fuck did you do this? I want to know everything. I'm going to start doing whatever the fuck you tell me to do. And I just kept investing in that. And not just investing in myself, but in learning from people where I wanted to be. I started to invest in others. I started to be of service to others. I start, and that's the 12th step. I started to think of others before myself. Things started to shift in me. I started to do all this fucking work. I can. I created this code of conduct within myself. These principles that I live by. These internal assets. And we keep fucking growing with that shit. So I went from that one job of thirty six thousand. My wife finally, when the money's gonna run out, finally finds a job. Then all of a sudden, twenty five G's came to us because she had referred a case out in New York out of nowhere. Things started happening because the vibration started to shift. We're, we're, we're fucking atoms and molecules that vibrate, bro. Everything's energy. So the higher your vibration, the more shit's going to attract you. I believe in law of attraction. When I'm open, when I'm not in fear or resentment or shame or pity, when my vibration is high, I get intuitive thinking when I'm rid of all that shit. So it's all these fucking tools that we talk about that create the vibration, that create your reality because the internal is only create, the external is only created through the internal work we do, you know? At that point in my life, I was newly sober. I had nothing going for me. Prior to that, I was a street guy that was fucking degenerate and nothing going for me, low vibration. So I couldn't, that's what I attracted, low vibration people. I attracted jails, I attracted institutions, I attracted hospitals, I attracted bad fucking people. When I flipped the script and I started to learn from the people where I wanted to be, things started to change. And things started to get better little by little by little each day. It was just focusing on the process. Don't worry about the outcome. Focus on the fucking process. Fall in love with the fucking process. Don't worry about the outcome. The outcome will come through the process. Just stay focused on the fucking process. And that's what I did every day. And then and then I got an opportunity because I was of service. Again, being of service and giving of myself to others. I met a guy that had another treatment center because I went on a call to go help the dot guy one night and he was there and he offered me a job where I, now I'm making like 65000 That's a big jump from fucking 36000 You know what I mean? Holy shit. Now, like, you know, now I bought a house. First time I get the, my wife's an attorney. I'm making decent, no, I'm making whatever, not, I'm making my 65 G's. So we get a house and little by little things are getting better, but shit happens, right? But we keep our fucking sword sharp. We keep our sword sharp. We keep investing in ourselves. We keep investing in our faith, our personal development, prayer, meditation, intention, review of my day. Where did I fall short? What principles could I bring into my prayer, meditation, and intention the following day? Constantly evolving and getting better. My workouts, the people that I'm starting to surround myself with. So we go from fucking that position we're in we keep leveling up. Now I have an opportunity. I help a guy out years ago at the other treatment center I was at. The guy's sober. He's killing that life. He asked me to be a partner in a treatment center with him. So I become a partner in a fucking treatment center with him. And and the shit got crazy there. That was one of the most fucking crazy shit. Because in the good, now, now I'm a, becoming a productive member of society. 
But like now life's coming, like real life shit, not like fucking shit that the pile of shit that I'm creating. Now it's like business stuff and learning business. And so that that turned out to be a nightmare. Um, but I didn't give up. I always knew that like I wanted to uh, uh, be my own boss. Like I, I, I grew up, my name was on a building. You know what I mean? Like I never was that dude that wanted to play the corporate game or none of that bullshit, bro. I, I, I pay, I'm kind of a trailblazer. Like I walk my own path. I'm like Zorro, bro. I don't do what everyone else does. I don't, I do the opposite. I do what we do. You know what I mean? The opposite of what fucking everyone else does. So, uh, I'm, I'm out there now and, and, and I get this opportunity, but I, I invest in another company with this guy. He winds up going to prison. He winds up being on Scott Pelle News in America, CBS, uh, National News. He was doing TRICARE fraud. So now I'm like out of all these businesses with this dude. I'm like, holy fucking shit. I made no money, thank God. Um, so I, I get out of that and I start another business with another guy. That shit failed. But I never gave up. That's the whole fucking thing. People give up, dude. They, they, they look at where the fuck you at in life and they don't see all the fucking failure that it takes to get there. And I won't even call it failure. It's more lessons. Everything's lessons. Every time we lose, it's not a loss. It's, it's a lesson. You become wiser and smarter for what's next. So after that business went to shit, I said, all right, I'm going to start my own consulting business. So I start my own consulting business uh, in drug and alcohol treatment. I work in drug and alcohol treatment. And I help, I help other facilities to basically uh, help with client acquisition, Systems on the back end, uh, negotiating contract rates, all this shit. Um, but really what I became was the top marketer in the country. I traveled the country. Uh, I worked with several different centers and I built my brand. I built, uh, while I was working with these companies, I was building my own personal brand. The Embrace Abundance, the fucking Pose, all that shit. So I was still always thinking, even though I'm working with these companies, I'm going to let them, I'm going to use their money to build my brand because eventually I'm going to take this and I'm going to work out a deal somewhere because I want points on something. And that's what I did. You know, I'm with my, my treatment center now, new choices. I have my own consulting company. We have an agreement with that company, but I basically have a, a, a very good agreement with them where I'm, I'm taken care of very well. And if we exit, I'll be able to get something from that as well. So very grateful for all this stuff because what I, what, what, if I didn't work my ass off like I did, all the stuff in the hospital, man, I'd be in a fucked up position right now, brother. Because you, what would I be able to do? You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't be able to live the lifestyle I live right now. So thank God. And that's the thing I want to, like, get across to people is, like, everything in this game of life is mindset. Like, all the fucking hard shit I went through, jail, treatment. You don't know when you're getting out. I didn't know when I was getting out of the hospital. Same shit. So it was like, I've been here before, which is in a little bit of a different situation. I don't know what I'm getting out. I don't know what my future holds. I didn't know what my future held in 2011 either when I got sober, when I was coming, you know, when I was coming out of jail. So I've been here before. See, we don't see that shit. Every hardship we go through prepares us for what's fucking next. And as long as we keep our fucking sword sharp, ain't nothing gonna stop us. Bro, I came out the fucking hospital, bro, okay? I'm fucking walking four or five miles. I was swimming like fucking 300 yards. I'm doing yoga. I'm eating healthy. I'm back to doing like 15. I mean, bro, seven months ago, I got my heart cut open. My chest cut open, put a heart in. Four surgeries. 
I'm on the bench now, 225 again. This is seven months later. Squatting 225, doing four or five miles in my cardio. Doing my, I mean, I'm fucking back, bro. There is nothing that slowed me down. Even when I got out of the hospital, I tried to make my life as normal as possible. I couldn't travel, so I was going to dope hotels in, in Austin and San Antonio. Still taking my family places. This fucking past week, this past three weeks, I, I took my son to a Raider game because I'm friends with one of the Raiders. He got me tickets. Took him to Vegas, New Orleans for, for fucking uh, uh, New Year's. I took him to the UT, the Sugar Bowl. And then we just came back from Orlando. Like, I'm living my best life. The gift in this is I appreciate every fucking moment. I'm grateful for it all, bro. All the pain. Every, I love the fucking challenge, bro. I embrace the comeback. I was envisioning myself in the hospital of where I was going to be in a year. It's all coming true, bro. I'm writing a fucking book about my life. I'm sharing my fucking testimony with the world. It's like what Wes Watson says. I love that motherfucker because what he says is so true. We are God's offering to the world. My son's watching me. I could be a little bitch about everything that happened to me. I could be a fucking victim or I could fucking rise up, bro. I could show him this is what fucking life is. It's going to be hard, but it don't matter. We still fucking move forward no matter fucking what. We put our 110 into everything we do no matter what. No matter what life, because it's coming. It's coming for you, bro. It's more shit's coming for me. It's coming for all of us. And it's, again, the winner's fucking mindset, bro. I made the most money in my entire life this fucking year. I almost died. Mindset. Even after the hospital, I brought on another fucking con. I'm doing shit. I'm writing a fucking book. I'm doing speaking engagements. I'm the keynote speak at the transplant uh, conference in, in the summer. I'm speaking at the Neuro Hero conference in fucking April. I'm speaking at the cardiogenic, the global cardiogenic stock conference next month. I got a few masterminds that people want me to come speak at. I'm fucking putting it out there, bro, because the world needs to hear this shit. The world's fucking lazy and motherfuckers don't want to put the work in. You've been blessed with a body and a mind and a human experience, bro. It's your fucking duty to fucking create the best version of yourself every fucking day. And if that's my main focus, I don't give a fuck that I got to take fucking all these meds or that I got to get this thing in my neck or that maybe I'm a little bit handicapped. Now, I don't give a fuck, bro. I'm still going to shine. I'm still going to fucking win till my last breath, bro. Like that's and that's the that's the paradigm shift for my son. See, that's not the shit I grew up with. Besides the fucking love. Mad love, bro. And I just want to share that love with the fucking world now. Bro. I really do. I've been through so much shit in my life. I've been in so many fucking stick jail situations where I'm like, am I going to get out? And then they're like, breezy. And it's like my cousin pulled the, pulled the paperwork. Where I think I'm going to go away for. I mean, I got caught on a sale once and they pulled the paperwork. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I've been in those positions before when I was in the hospital. And all the growth and the faith and the surrender and connection to God and the constant service and self-accountability and constant growth. That's what got me through that whole hospital stay, bro. 100%. That's what got me through it. And that's what's keeping me going, bro. And I want to show the world, man, like this is one, there's no fucking reason. We are all dying. I almost died. I don't know how much fucking. The average heart transplant patient is 11 years. I'm not fucking normal. So I'm gonna live like 25 with this motherfucker. But the reality is, like, I don't fucking know. So, like, no one knows. But we all think, ah, oh, no. Make this shit happen now. Whatever your fucking dreams and goals are, make that shit a fucking reality today. Take action today. 
Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow might not fucking be here. And the other thing is, I see people all the time. I hate to get like this, but I see fucking people all the time complaining about bullshit. Like, shut the fuck up. Put in the work. And I also see all this bullshit all over the fucking world. People protesting. If you had fucking goals and vision, you wouldn't be out fucking protesting nothing. You'd be focused on your fucking dreams. And that's the, what's going on in this world is they don't want us to vibrate high, bro. They want to keep us low. They want to keep us separate. They want to keep us doing stupid shit in the street, not doing shit like this, not writing books, not, not helping others, not growing, not fucking making money, not making your family proud, not pouring into faith. And it's like, nah, fuck that shit, bro. I don't even pay attention to that shit. I pay attention to nothing and I don't give a fuck about what no one thinks about me. All I care about is I'm a fucking horse with blinders. I have a vision and I know where the fuck I'm going and I'm not stopping until I fucking make that a reality. So that's where the fuck I'm at. So 2024, you're going to be seeing a fucking lot of me. I'm going to be out there. Once my book's out, I'm going to be doing a lot more social media shit, a lot more speaking engagements. And maybe, man, we I start this little Embrace Abundance fucking movement and and I'm seeing where God takes it, man. Maybe start a little Embrace Abundance community of fucking savage mindset motherfuckers ready to take on the goddamn world and crush it, bro. You know? You need to, mate. Look, I, I met you a year ago, right? And I was like, I need to get this guy on the show. He's going to be fucking amazing. And we couldn't get you on because that's when you got poorly, right? And you, you're, one of yeah. your quotes was, what is the gift from hardship? I knew you were just going to deliver an insane show and I couldn't wait to hear your story. Let me tell you, you've gone to a whole different level. As a human, like that one quote, you are living that. And when you said about you've got speaking engagements, bro, you're about to get busy. I am. You I know, know it. God, God put me here, bro, for this reason, Jack. I'm when, light, bro. I'm positive way, energy for the fucking universe. 100%. When you speak the way you spoke with me in a room for other, other people, you're going to be in rooms all the time sharing your message and your story and the world needs to hear it. So, mate, you've got me vibrating at a whole different level. And I was already high vibe before this conversation. So... I've got loads of questions for you, mate. Do you, do you have time to answer a few questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to do it, bro. First of all, talk, talk to me about your... Obviously, you've lived two totally different lives, right? Talk to Brother, me. I've lived several. I don't even know how many. It's weird. I've heard two big contrasting lives that you're living now compared to the way you... Yes. At what point did faith come in for you? My wife, when I met her. And nothing in my life was nothing in my life was stable, bro. Nothing in my life was stable. Uh, you know, my home life was fucking chaotic. You know, it was I didn't know what I was walking into. I met I've been with my wife since we were seven, 16, 17 years old. With I'm 44, she's be 45. She's we've been, been together. Journey with you. She's been with me through everything. She's never did a drug in her life. Wow. Bro, she's my angel, dude. She's in my life many times, bro. And uh I knew, bro, like, she was the one good, like, where I grew up, bro, people don't win. They just don't win. Like, you could become a garbage man, a cop, a fireman, a bus driver, a mob guy, a street guy. This, no one's, like, like, like what we surround ourselves with, that, like, what my son, is his life, I didn't have that. I didn't have winning, people winning around me. You know, when I met her, in high school, she was smart. She was different. She wasn't like, like she was just not that street girl. She was like in all the clubs. 
like for the school, like the Spanish club, the math club, the marriage. I wasn't that guy. Super smart. So I just felt like I could have a future with this girl. That was my first thing of faith, bro. I grew up Catholic. I, they sent me to CCD school and all that shit, but I had no relationship with God. She was the first thing with my faith. I didn't really truly get a relationship with God or start one until I went to treatment in Texas back in 2006. Through working the 12 steps, I formed a relationship with God. And I just run with it since then. So like 2006 is when I first, I got the, the seed planted. Mm. Really 2011 is when the relationship formed and now it's solid as can be. I love it. So one other thing I wanted to talk about is the paradigm shift that you've had has been insane. I'm assuming the 12 step process has been a massive part of that. What what actionable things do you feel like you could share? Because I feel like 97% of the population of the world needs a paradigm shift right now. Absolutely. What are the daily actionable things that you'd recommend to someone? Let's say I tell you right now, bro, I start my day every day in prayer so i wake up it's prayer i get ready at my coffee i take my son to the to school then i sit in meditation but in my meditation i talk, i look at intention what is my intent for today you know like i gotta get clear on the day then straight from there i go into a workout about an hour hour and a half workout after that i'm gonna eat a healthy meal this morning i had egg whites apples and hummus toast with water you know, then I get into my hustle. I get into my grind. You got to have some form of fucking purpose and hustle, right? Like my purpose is to spread light to the world. It's to help families, addicts, and then anybody in general now that is struggling, heart transplant patients, any transplant patient or anybody for that matter of like, whatever you're struggling with, I'm here for you. You know what I'm saying? And I really am that dude, bro. I, I help a ton of fucking people. I can't even tell you the amount of people I help. You know, then it's it's time, you know, once the work's done, it's time with the family, bro. Like, I'm pouring into my fucking family. You know, I'm playing with my son. We're playing basketball, we're playing hockey, we're playing. He works out with me in the gym. He's only six, but I got him doing the push-ups. I got him doing two-pound shoulder presses. He's doing sit-ups. He walks on the tray. He works out with me. He's watching everything I do. You know, and then when it's time to, to settle down at the night, uh, it, it's reviewing my day, bro. Where did I fall short today? What could I have done better today? What are some principles that I showed on? Am I, am I, do I have some type of beef with somebody? Do I need to like, do I owe someone an apology? Do I need to like make things right? I always make sure my side of the street is clean. Even if you fucked me 90% and I fucked you 10%, I got to leave your 90 aside and I got to owe 100 of my 10. Constant self-accountability. My problems are not of your making or the world's, because if that was the case, you and the world would have to change. My problems are always of my making. So I always have to look within. Like, if you fucking tell me something and I get a rise out of it, that ain't on you. That's on me. I allowed you to fucking get, get me riled up. What's going on with me that that made me get off course? You know? Constantly reflecting on my life. I also start my day in gratitude, bro. No matter what, say 10 things you're grateful for, you know? And then that intuitive thinking starts to flow through. You start thinking inspired thoughts through these actions, you know? But again, it's pouring into your faith, pouring into your family, pouring into your health, 
pouring into your hustle and pouring into your purpose, bro. That to me makes the whole human, bro. And it's also so important to be like, I constantly audit my circle. I know we always talk about this. It's important. I have my top 10. I have that shit in my phone. Sometimes I got to pull the motherfucker out because if the vibe, if I'm, if, if I, we know energy, right? Like I'm high energy. So like people feel that they feel attracted towards me, right? Well, the opposite was when I was doing the bad shit. It was, I walk in a room, everybody's kind of fearful, standoffish. I have to be with people that help me to vibrate high, that are walking the same path as me, that we have the same mindset. Because there's the saying, it's like, you, you, it's very hard to pull a person up. It's very hard. But a person could drag you down. So if you're around low vibration people, you got to really be careful of who you hang around. And so it's like your mentors, your circle that you walk with and the people you help three most important things in life. And you, the people that you walk with is so important. You know, I make sure to surround myself around people that are doing better than me, that I'm learning from in all areas of my life. And I also am there to help the people that are looking to come up. But I do not carry nobody. If they want help, I'll walk with them, but they got to walk with me. If they don't walk with me, I got to let them go. You know? Talk to me. We met at a mastermind. Personal development is our conversation. Like, we, it's all we talk about is personal development. How big a, a role is, as masterminds played? Um, and just tell the guys, I don't know, you don't, don't have to share obviously your income, but like, how far have you come from the guy making 36 grand 11 oh, years? Oh, bro, I was 50,000 in a debt in debt 12 years ago. I became a millionaire, brother. I mean, I live in a million dollar house. I mean, my shit is dope. I got fucking, I don't want to be bragging about it, but it is the truth of what it is. Like, I'm grateful that I get to fucking, I, I just went and bought, there's another thing. I came out the hospital, I went by a brand new X7 fucking M series 130 G's. Like, my wife drives a beautiful Mercedes Benz. You know, I got a fucking my house. I got a full gym in my crib. I got the fucking pool. I got investment properties. Like we're we're fucking doing. We're killing it, bro. To go from the street guy, the drug addict, the fucking fighter, the violent motherfucker with nothing going for him. I was that hustle, Jack. I know how to make money. I just never know how to invest it. As soon as it came, it was gone. It was going to drugs, the street, whatever. You know. Now I become educated. I hang around. I join groups like, like the, the inner circle. I I want mentors. I invested like twenty thousand last year into mentorship and fucking classes to educate myself on stuff. You know, I'm constantly investing in, in myself. Isn't Super important that you spent the year you spend twenty grand on courses. I make the most money in my life while I'm in a fucking hospital. And I almost die. Whereas most people are like, how could you afford twenty grand when people can't afford not to spend the twenty grand? Oh, bro, the greatest thing I did. You know how I many good guys I met in that group? Forget about it, you know? Once I'm able to travel, I might hop back in it. But I just, it, there's power in proximity, 100%. Spoff is 100% right with that, bro, you know? It's a different energy. And I still stay in touch with a lot of those guys, a lot of the guys from the group. And it's good because I get to talk. We can't talk to everybody about, like, you got to be in the right circles to talk about what we, you know, the money we make and things like that. Cause then it comes off as, as the wrong way with certain people. So it's good to have that group because you want to be able to win together, man. And that's what I'm talking about. Walking with your circle. It's so important. I got friends. 
Like, I got other friends that own airplanes, too, man. And they, like, fucking super supportive, bro. They're like, yo, crush it. Keep going. It's the motherfuckers that hate that they don't want to see you win because they miserable with themselves. I used to be that guy. I hated kids that grew up in normal homes. The fuck's a normal home? But I, it's because I was so envious and jealous of them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm aware of myself, bro. I know who the fuck I am, and I know where I'm going. I'm grateful for that, bro. I'm grateful for that. I'm clear-cut direction of where the fuck I want to go. You know? And most people don't even have direction in life. They have no fucking purpose. They exist. They don't invest in themselves. They, I got no guys that have... They, they fucking stay home and play video games. Who the fuck plays the video game? You're a grown man. Go to the fucking gym. Go fucking do a side hustle. The hour you played a video game, you could have maybe made money. You could have figured out some shit. It's 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 all here. Even the people talk about whatever. America's a great fucking country. I know you live in England. We can make money here. It's it's a great fucking country for that. Like whatever bullshit your mind tells you, you could be a fucking opiate addict, degenerate at the fucking bottom and become a millionaire. What the fuck? No, where else are you going to do that? So it's here for everybody. It all starts with the internal work, bro. The external world is a manifestation of the internal world, period. So the more we invest in ourselves, the more we're going to create. And the more we create, the more people we can help. And the more people we can help, the more people they help. It's the fucking domino effect, bro. You know, the, the external world is a manifestation. What you're living in now was in your vision probably four or five years ago, right? It was in my vision in 2006. I'd be riding on the bus in Austin in, in a treatment bus, the druggy buggy. And I'd be driving through the neighborhoods and I would see the houses on the hills, the million dollar homes. And I said, I'm going to live in one of those houses one day. And I fucking do, bro. <laughs> so it was there. It was there. And I kept failing forward to get to this place. There was there was relationships that I don't have friends with no more, that we were tight. I kept failing forward. I knew I wanted to get to this place. But this is just the beginning, bro. I feel like God is going to use me, Jack, for greater things. I don't even care if I make money with it, bro. I want to, because I'm doing well. If I do good... If I do, I'm definitely going to donate a, probably about half of that shit towards donate life and, and some other causes that I feel, uh, you know, that I feel for. But it's really, bro, like, like I'm here, God saved me, to bring light to others. And whatever comes after that, cool. That's awesome. If I make more money, great. I would like to, but it ain't even about that, bro. It's about, it's about genuinely spreading light to this world and helping people become the best version of themselves. This way they could overcome any obstacles life throws at them. We create the internal assets through the principles, through creating the code of conduct, and we practice them every day. We show up. Like, bro, yesterday I went in the hospital, thing in my neck, I might die. I signed a waiver. As soon as I get home, I'm fucking, I'm doing cardio. You know what I mean? This morning, on workout. Then I went back to cardio. I did my meditation. I do this with you. I'm going to work on my book. Like, constant, constant, constant. Constant work. Constant. I love it. I thrive in it. I want to be only around people like us, unless they're coming up with us. Other than that, I'd, I'd rather be alone. I don't want to be around everybody. I want to be around people that want this life or that are living this life. 
And it's out here for everybody, bro. Facts. Let me say, mate, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. You are on, mate, you're going to go on some journey here in this story, mate. You know that. This is going to be the most listened episode of this podcast for sure. I hope so, bro. And my book's coming out in May. It's going to be called Embrace Abundance. It's going to be dope, bro. It's my whole life. It's for my son. It's for the world. It's to help people to just have a shift in their mindset, you know? So hopefully through my experience and my mindset and everything that I'm putting out there, I can inspire others to, you know, be great. So good. Guys, if you're listening to this, make sure you share it with a friend. We need to get this guy's story around the world. Mate, I appreciate you so much. Where can everyone find you on socials? It's uh, Instagram's at Frank Parisi 2011. Boom. Mate, any any end, uh, closing things you want to share with the guys? Man, I'm just super grateful, man. And uh, this year is going to be my fucking year and it's going to be your year too. So it's going to be all of our fucking year. I send on that. I can't wait to keep watching, bro. And we definitely link up at some point, man. I'm, I'm next year. I'm traveling to Europe because I've never been. So, and if you ever hit, you find yourself uh, in Texas, hit me up, or maybe we find ourselves in Florida or some shit together. You bet, mate. It's on. All right, my brother. Thank you so much for bringing me on. Wow, guys, what a show! Literally, I'm almost lost for words. So much motivation, inspiration, gems shared in that podcast. Um, and I want to add on to this little last little bit, guys, just to ask you guys to allow us to get those words, that unbelievable show into more people's ears. Um, just simply share this, guys, on your Instagram stories, in your WhatsApp groups, to with friends, family members who you feel like this could add value to. Please share this with them, guys, as they're going to get so much value. Um, and we're definitely going to have Frank back on the show because that was literally levels, guys. I appreciate you all for listening. If you haven't already, hit subscribe, hit like. Uh, leave us a review and we'll be back with more content to help you guys to become more, be more, do more and have more. Let's go.